Okay, so we just took a water break from the introduction with Nathan to cybersecurity, and Nathan's going to continue on with us for a couple of deep dives. And so you were saying that um, you're you're ready to deep dive into where what we should be protecting and 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 how to do it. So maybe you can just guide us to the top level of that, and then we'll dive in. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So um, high level again, right? We're talking about data, right? We're talking about what we're trying to protect. Uh, whether that's financial records, whether that's uh, intellectual property, whether that's, um, you know, the contracts that you own, uh, where those live, whether that's in the cloud, whether that's in a data center that you rent out or, or a specific device that you own, um, and then how those things are being accessed. So if they're on Google Docs, who has access to that Google Doc? If they're, it's a shared uh, um, uh, Dropbox, you know, is that being secured and uh, protected and, and whatnot. Um, so just having that consciousness of what is being protected, where it lives and how it's being accessed, um, just in the normal means will help you prevent, you know, a lot of things. Uh, we'll get into kind of the who and probably a little bit later, just in terms of uh, whatnot. I want to dive into that, but I, I don't want to talk too much about that right now. I think we just talk about, um, you know, the, the data itself uh, and, and how that's being accessed. Yeah. So let's do an example. What's a good example? You actually, I think you brought up a great one about, yeah. uh, about Google Drive. Uh, there yeah. was a story you were telling me about uh, a contract you were working with. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's perfect. Okay, great. So um, I work with a I work with a group, and that group has clients, um, and that group does a lot of stuff in in Google Drive with Google Docs, Google Spreadsheets, um, which is super helpful because the whole team can access things um, all at once, um, uh, and people want to do things as easily as they can. So the team um, kind of opens up the the link sharing, and so when they share a document, they open up the link. So anybody who has the link. Can, can view the document, can view the spreadsheet, um, which is super convenient. Um, and you would think hard to find because it's, you know, it's a rand, really random stream of characters. So if I'm looking for something, um, it, it's going to be hard to dig that up. Um, but what happened um, at one point was a, um, a client of that group had access, was given access to uh, one of the documents or, or a link was just passed on, maybe accidentally a copy and paste error, who knows. Um, but there's information that wasn't for the client. Um, maybe it was about that client, maybe it was about another client, but the point is they got a link and they were able to open the link and there's stuff there that was not for them. So we want to protect against that. So that's one example of, gosh, important information's being, um, being, being stored someplace and the, uh, an unintended party got access to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So a couple of things, right? You know, you're, you're talking about, um, let's just, for the sake of example, talk about a, a contract, right? That may have, you know, sensitive negotiation information, sensitive prices and, and whatnot on there, let alone, you know, their corporate information, legal address, whatever. Um, all of that is, in the wrong hands can be used maliciously, let alone hurting your own business in terms of your ability to negotiate. Hey, you gave these guys like an an extra whatever percent discount, uh, I want the same thing. You know, it seems like you can operate at that cost. Why wouldn't I get that same discount? Hurts your business. Um, you know, and so when you're able to understand 
a that that's that's an important piece of information there's sensitive information in there and that should be confidential um then you can sit there and say it's in this place it's in google drive uh how in google drive can i understand the ways that it's being accessed right so it's accessed through a link it's accessed through um you know when when you're given the link to a google drive it then shows up in your google drive so understanding uh how to reverse engineer the visibility into those things. Um, and, then, and then just being able to sit back and say, hey, look, um, you know, uh, me, the business owner has access, my assistant has access, my, my project manager has access, uh, and then there's, there might be someone else. Well, um, let, me, let me just eliminate any questions, just make sure that those three or four important people have access to this document. And from there, it'll be isolated. It'll be uh, mm -hmm. secured and protected. Um, the, and within Google, Google Drive, you can just kind of uh, either A, delete the document, right? Or B, just kind of like uh, go through and, and re-secure re, re, uh, re it in terms of like mm -hmm restricting all former granted access to it. Um, and then, and then that's, that's kind of how you would do it, at least in, in Google drive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a great point. I believe there's also, um, if you own the drive, one of the issues is like, you may not, you may not have ownership of everything there. Uh, if you have, if you have say contractors, um, they may be using their own technology. So I can imagine the policy, for example, is, Hey, if I bring in a, a contractor, you, when you create documents for me, it's in my system. So I'm going to give you an account or access to an account that's a contractor account and anything you're making for me, it's in my system. And then my system has limited permission. So I, I believe as an owner of a, of a shared drive, it's possible to turn off the all access um, link option. I'm not 100% on that, but that sounds... sounds <laughs> The, an easy way in that too, and this is something I've done in the past, is just create a folder, right? And so that person only has access to those documents in the folder, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and then you're just segmenting things, right? So right. You know, you're sitting at the top of the segmentation and then you just right. kind of cut and divide what they have access to. Um, so that I way, wouldn't be sending links and stuff over. I'd be saying, hey, I added it to your folder that you have access to. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. A nice way to partition it off. Per, yeah, exactly. That that division, you know, cutting cutting some of those lines just limits the, um, for lack of a better term, the cross contamination. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> that you can. Of that could apply to um, if it's not Google Drive, but it's a similar thing with with uh, folders on your server. You can have uh, specific folders with specific FTP access. You can have yep. specific Dropbox for it. Like it doesn't really matter. Like. Like the system is an example, but, but the idea of partitioning, I think that you're suggesting would apply in a, in a number of different systems. Yeah. And even within um, like corporate accounts, I, I don't know if this is the perfect example. I haven't done much with uh, a corporate LinkedIn or Facebook account. I believe you can have different people have access to it and then you can segment the things that they can do within that account or that like a, even the groups and the, the group policy things. Uh, and so being able to uh, be conscious of what rights and privileges you're, you're providing people um, is, is super important. One of the things at the risk of getting slightly too technical, one of the things that's come up often is like AWS or Azure. Um, and when you tell your developers like, hey, yeah, I'll give you all the rights, you can do all the things, you know, it really can, can 
blow up significantly in terms of them having rights and accesses to either data that they don't need to or controls within the, the entire account that could really right. um, either if that whole thing got compromised, you know, they could, they could expand and just, it would, it would blow up your entire mm. uh, infrastructure, uh, let alone costing you tons of money. If they say, you know, like you mentioned uh, a DDoS attack earlier or um, uh, mining cryptocurrency, you know, those sorts mm -hmm. of things. So. so someone someone comes into your system is able to has has access rights, um, and they're able to take advantage not of your things your what you're trying to protect but your server cycles, they're uh, they're burning up your bandwidth so your employees aren't able to work as well they're burning up your maybe your electricity but they're they're using the server they they may be expanding it's AWS if you have all privileges AWS is elastic and I think Azure as well and so they may expand out and expand out so they're caught they're 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 having you pay for their um, their terror. Um, so one one um, one note on that. I'm I'm going to say that um, a way to prevent that would be to have a handful of very well defined roles in those systems. And so if I bring you in, I can say, hey, uh, oh, according to my checklist here, you have level three access. You're you're eligible for level three access in our system. So I'm going to put you in the level three role, whatever you're calling it, mm -hmm. um, which has permissions to do X, Y, and Z. Or it could be um, oh, you're a um, whatever, an owner of this area. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to think. So if it's, if it's a, a videographer role, right? Or you're in the graphics department. Oh, well you have, you know, level two access in the graphics role. So you have this kind of permission set. Whereas if you're in the ops role, you've got a totally different permission set. Um, so, so taking some time, I mean, it's tedious work, Nathan, <laughs> to set up those roles wisely. Um, but once you have them and you have that documented, it's, it's really, it should be really easy to insert a professional, a contractor, whoever it is, into the right security role and not have to worry about if, they're, if they've got too many permissions. Simplifying this uh, mm -hmm. really just in an everyday aspect. I would, I would never give a child full access to an adult level tier in Netflix. Like... Uh there's just content there that they probably don't need to consume. Like, yeah, huh. sure. From my, from my, from my Netflix account, I can go watch uh, whatever random new anime may come out. Uh, but that upstream that, that that's not needed. That's all that kid needs to be watching is something yeah. uh, that, that is more effective, uh, you know, and having some of those built in uh, access controls is, is huge. Mm -hmm. Um, Another really good thing, and I want to hit on this kind of concept very briefly. Uh, there's there's this idea of like zero trust is a term used mm. consistently in the security space. What is um, that? So zero trust is basically like I I the the term is a little bit misleading in the sense of like I don't trust anyone. I don't trust anything. Mm -hmm. um, the concept is really more about the um, You know, adaptive trust, right? It's like hey, like at every point, I want to make sure you're the right person accessing the right thing. You know, it's like, hey, just want to like make sure you're still Alex and you didn't, you know, put on a face mask or something. And, uh, you know, you're over here talking to me and asking for, you know, my content on what X, Y, and Z, right? So um, being able to consistently know that, you know, this is Alex's email address. I'm giving him access to something that might be important. That could be access to, 
you know, my, the, the electronic login to my front door, right, with, with modern e-technology or, or texting the phone number, making sure that it's actually Alex and he hasn't changed his number and now I don't know, let alone all the ways that that can be used maliciously. So this kind of consistent adaptive trust and being conscious of how you're trusting things. Um, the beauty of being in Silicon Valley is that it's incredibly trusting, it's a very incredibly open and innovative and accepting uh, and that just gets taken advantage of by people that should, should not quite have that full spectrum of um, acceptance all the time. And not saying they shouldn't, it's just you, you should, you know, take a second and be conscious of those things. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's really helpful. Well, let's talk about one more thing uh, in this realm, which is something that's become really important again when I have contractors, new employees, um, and that's, that's password sharing. Um, I might need someone to manage my social media channels for me, for example, um, but I don't have, uh, I only have so many seats or for maybe the system doesn't allow multiple users for whatever reason. So what am I going to do about password sharing? Passwords, passwords, passwords. So passwords are your first secure item in any situation, right? Just making sure that you have good passwords. I mentioned some good password management um, best practices last time with using like lead speak. But um, I'm a huge fan of password managers. Mm -hmm. I think that it's one of the best investments you can make at, at, at any stage, uh, whether that's LastPass, 1Password, um, Dashlane, um, you know, those are the three that are coming to mind right now that I've had experience with in the past. Um, I think it's a phenomenal investment one of the big things to keep in mind with that is you are putting all your eggs in one basket. Mm -hmm. So uh, generally it's hard to know when someone's using a password manager, but you know, like it sh should, should that be aware or conscious, right? Then, then you're, yeah. then you're in a spot where like, that's kind of like, you know, the, 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 the master key to everything. So. And if you, could, if you could pause here for a second, take a step up and just say briefly what a password manager is, what it does, how it's used. Yeah, yeah. Great, sorry, um, remembering my, my uh, the basics here. So a password manager is a piece of software that you, you centralize um, randomly generated passwords uh, to, to provide a um, specifically securing that, that application's access. So let's say it's just Facebook, you know, hey, look, I'm using my password manager for Facebook. I have a randomly generated set of numbers that could be, mm. I don't know, 40 different characters. Uh, and using that as my password, instead of just using, you know, my, my mom's maiden name and her birthday, right? Uh, and so taking, taking those, those concepts, those more like socially hackable concepts and just making it random. Mm -hmm. um, some of the, the additional benefits, right, is that some of those you can share passwords, right? So um, mm -hmm. just be like, hey, Alex, I'm giving you the password for uh, my LinkedIn account. If you don't mind just jumping in and updating some of those things that uh, yeah. you had given me advice on, I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks. And let, me, and let me just add to that to be really clear. Um, a lot of these password managers, their, their, their core feature is um, if I share my password with you, sometimes you still cannot see it. Sometimes yep. you cannot see it. The password manager will drop in the password um, without you being able to actually see what the password is. 
Um, so you can't, you can't get in the system and change the password because you don't know what the password is. You can't do a password recovery because it's not going to your email address. It's simply, that's how the password is. So it really keeps the control of the, it can keep the control of the password with the owner. Yep, exactly, exactly. Um, thank you for- And you're not passing it by, by like writing on a post-it or sending a text message or an email, all of which could be perhaps like, sure, some of them can be encrypted, not the post-it, um, but they can all be passed on because once, um, even encrypted, even encrypted email, once it gets to the recipient, it's not encrypted anymore. The recipient can see it. They can copy and paste it. They can forward it. They can store it in their own. They can put someplace else. So there's something to be said about even protecting the password from the people who are using it. Yeah. Yeah. They can save it to their own notes so that they know how to log into it next time. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's, Password sharing is super, super dangerous, um, especially if you're not using something random, right? Like then you could be, you know, if I use the same password for my LinkedIn and the other places, now you have access to those things too. So um, being conscious of how much extra degree of chaos, your intentional chaos, healthy chaos, you're, you're implementing into your access process and how you're controlling and orchestrating that in a safe way is really, really, really important. I think it's the number one cause of breaches. It's the number one cause of uh, malicious things happening with data, like hands down. Um, you know, it, taking money out of your own personal bank account versus just hacking into a corporate account, right? Is really comes down to those things and how you're how you're protecting them. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, anything more you want to say about um, knowing what you're protecting, understanding where it is, and and how to protect that, and also how to protect access? Um, let me hit a couple things on passwords real quick. So, password manager uh, length is super important. Make it long. Make it make it not a, a phrase, but make it something that you might be able to remember that has some degree, like uh, the first mm -hmm. letters of some kind of saying that you have, you know, have memorized or, um, you know, the something, some, some sort of like non-intentional, not like a single word. Um, but at the end of the day, length is really crucial there. So yeah, you know, whether it's a, a random string of words that have a couple of uh, ones instead of eyes and whatnot, that, that really helps add that extra degree of yeah. complexity. Um, there was um, uh, a, a few years back, gosh, a lot of years back now, there's uh, an XKCD comic and it had this uh, battery, uh, 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 a password trick. And it was basically, if you can visualize some random thing and then take those nouns, so, it, or maybe those words. So it, his example, I remember was correct horse battery staple. And you can, you can imagine you're telling the horse they're correct. This is a battery staple. doesn't mean anything, but like it's long. That's a lot of letters. Um, and if you replace that with some of those letters, like you're saying, with some numbers or some exclamation, whatever the system requires, but just the idea that it's, it's a number of words that don't normally stick together. And you can actually, you, can, you don't necessarily need a password with a password manager that you can remember. Yeah. But if, if it's for some reason, it's necessary that you're able to remember the password. Um, that's a trick is, is words that don't usually go together. So if you're choosing your favorite quote from a, from a, from a lyric, from a song or, famous quote from a book, 
might not might already be in one of the in, in one of the um, brute forcing dictionaries. But if yep. you're choosing kind of random words and putting them together, that's a way to get at it too. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, and and beyond that, you know, um, I think we hit on a couple of really good topics here when it comes mm -hmm. to um, where we started, just understanding where your data lives, boiling all the way down into the most common ways that it's accessed. So. Um, Thanks for having me on, giving me some time to, to share some of these things. I'm excited to hear how people are able to implement them. Now here's a riddle for you. What does Tesla's founder president and Groupon's founding CEO have in common? They were both removed from the companies they started. Stay with me for another, I don't know, minute and understand this. More than three out of four founders are ousted from their role before year five. That's before IPO, before acquisition, before wild adoption. And as a result, you leave potentially millions of dollars on the table for your successor to pick up. But that won't be you, right? Imagine how good it will feel to carry out your vision for your org as a leader for years to come. Are you a founder of a software startup with a live product and a team? If so, can you see yourself learning to grow alongside your company? I've been working with founders and Fortune 100 companies for a decade, and I have a gift for you. It's free. It's a webinar, and it explains why CEOs and other founders are essentially removed from your company and what you need to do to stay. Move now. Click the link in the description to transform from a founder CEO to a growth CEO, to scale your org, keep your money, and have a worldwide impact. The link to the free webinar is in the description, and I'll see you on the other side. I'm so glad you joined us today. If this video was helpful, give it a like, go ahead and subscribe, and hit the bell so that tech and startup videos continue to show up in your feed. I'll see you in the other videos.